This is the Prestigious Initiative. Welcome. I'm Chris Bean, and here with me is Chris Kent. Hello, Mr. Kent. Hello, sir. Today we're going to be talking about books and how we choose books from notes that we take and highlights that we make and why we do those things that we do with the books that we go through. And so I think, you know, a good place to start is how we choose books. I know for me personally, I see recommendations for books in lots of different places. I'll hear somebody talk about a book and almost always, if it's a, if it's a podcast or video or something, I will pause that, go to Amazon, find the book, read the brief synopsis of it, and then put it in like my, my wish list. And so I have a continual ever growing wish list of books that are just, they are ready to go. Then when I'm done with a book, I get to kind of peruse through my wish list of books to see what I add next. Um, I would say that there is a sort of hierarchy in there. If the book is mentioned more times, or if I hear about it more times or from more people, then I will kind of prioritize that book over some other potential books just because perhaps, you know, I've heard about it more, maybe it'd be more relevant to what I'm into at the moment or what I want to learn about. Alternatively, sometimes I will be in there adding a book to my wish list and see other books that are kind of in line with that one. And so I'll kind of, you know, check those out. Okay, yep, that one's kind of good. Let's put that one in the wish list and so on. So I I get recommendations from people. I'll see a YouTube video. Hey, these are good books to read or, or, or hear somebody mention something on a podcast. Almost always I stop, put it in the list, ready to go. And then, for example, I was um, at the mall with my wife over the weekend and we went to, there's a bookstore there. So we stopped by a bookstore and I saw a couple books uh, that, that I had heard about before. They happen to have Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. I've heard about uh, a number of times. Um, Ryan Holiday, The Daily Stoic, he talks about meditations a lot. And so I, I picked that book up. And I would say for me specifically, most books that I'm going to read are going to be a digital based. If I buy a physical copy for a book, that means that it's a book that I want to re-read, perhaps, or a book that I want to be able to highlight and take notes in and then be able to quickly pull back and, and reference those things. I, I feel to do that on a digital medium isn't quite there, at least I haven't figured out how to make that the same as being able to pick a book up, kind of flip through it 15 minutes. Okay. I, you know, not that I read it in 15 minutes, but I can go back through my highlights and my notes that are in that and get a sense of the quote unquote important information, or at least what I saw as important information the first time. I know I haven't done that to a huge number of books, but on the times that I have being able to pick up the physical copy, go back through my highlights and, and for lack of a better term, reread that book in a very short amount of time has been incredibly beneficial. And while you can highlight and take notes and export and do things like that with the digital side of that, but it isn't quite the same. And so at least for me, 
if I am going to plan to read a book one time and take and take notes on it, and I have a process that I do, we'll talk about later for that. But if it's going to be a book that I know is going to be impactful, I'm going to reread or at least want to reference on a semi-continual basis, maybe once or twice a year, I want to get a physical copy of that because it just is perhaps a little bit simpler for me in that realm. What about you, sir? How, how do you how do you go about choosing books? And I know, I think we talked about this before, but for me specifically, I read almost exclusively, if not fully exclusively, nonfiction books. And I know you do a mix of both. And so where do you, you know, how do you hear about books or what do you do for that? Yeah, I think it's it's pretty similar to, to the way that you choose your books. Um, I will say, going off of what you just finished talking about, I don't think I've ever in my life read a digital book. I think any book I've ever read has been physical. If I'd read a digital book, it was maybe, you know, a short story. It was a small type thing that more like an article, less of a book, but I don't think I've ever, ever read a digital book. So I, I guess maybe we, we can nail that down for a little bit here. For me, um, I switched over to digital books a year and a half or so ago. And the first couple were really kind of odd. It was like, it didn't feel like I was reading a book because it's just this thing that was on my Kindle or on my iPad. It had a weird type of almost abstract feeling to it. It wasn't a physical thing. It doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel real. Yeah. And so I know there was a couple of books that I started, got halfway through and I, I, they fell off for, it's my fault. I didn't continue with it, but it just, it didn't feel like I was reading a book. And so that was a little bit different. Now doing that, you know, a handful of times, I've gotten a little bit better about that. For me, digital books are nice because I can have them with me wherever I go. If I have my, my phone or my iPad, I don't mostly have my phone, but I have my iPad with me. Most places I can interact with that book. If I have, you know, five minutes of downtime in between or something, I have my iPad, I can read my book, which I like. I also like I don't have a huge stack of books that either I've read or haven't read and are just are sitting collecting dust doing nothing or I have to then sell or give away. If I can just have a digital copy of this book, I don't have to put it anywhere. It just lives you know, on my devices and I can interact with it whenever I want, whether it's been read or not. Just as far as um, perhaps referencing or flipping through a digital book is not nearly as simple as a as a physical book but i i would absolutely agree for a length of time it it was a hard a hard corner to turn from physical to digital most people i know make that shift and you know seemingly no problem but for me for sure it it, it was tough and so it's nice to hear that it's more than just me that you know had that yeah it's not that i'm opposed to it and like you said there's so many uh, pros to having a digital archive of books. You don't have a giant stack here or there. You can take it wherever you want. You're still able to highlight and and take notes on these kind of uh, you know digital things. And, and and you know I'm I'm not that old, but I feel like we're also in the midst or we're part of the transition of a lot of that. And I feel like uh, you know books were kind of one of the first things to go digital. Well, actually music, music was digital. Uh, and that doesn't feel weird to me to think, as you're talking to it, to have a, 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 an album playing digitally and not actually own the physical album doesn't feel that weird. It's, it's almost the other way around to have a physical like record playing has a certain kind of feel that we don't know or that we don't necessarily always 
associate with listening to music because we almost unanimously listen to it digitally. Sure. Yeah. And like I own CDs, I'll play CDs on a CD player every once in a while, but more often than not, it's, it's streaming the music digitally, but things like movies, I know movies, a lot of movies now are streamed or they're digital that you can have an archive of. That still seems weird to me. Um, you know, like a TV show or something, I'll stream that. But if I have a, if I, there's a movie that I like, I want to own a physical copy of that movie and have it on a bookshelf or watch it on a, a DVD or, you know, same way with books. If there's a book that I want to read, a book that I like, I don't want a digital copy that feels like I don't actually own it. I want the physical thing that I can own and look at and have and touch and, and interact with. So, you know, even uh, video games, video games, I growing up, we always had the, the discs or the cartridge or whatever what it was now, but you can get video games for digital and only digital. And the, I think the hang up there is that it, it costs the same amount of money to buy a digital copy as a physical, as it does, as it does a physical copy. So why not spend the money and actually have a physical copy to me it's worth it. And for me, I guess on, on that note for, for games, if I buy a digital copy for a game, I worry, maybe worry is not the right word, but I worry that something's going to get corrupt and it's, I'm not going to be able to have that. Whereas if I have a physical one, I will have that. Unless I lose it, it will be there. And with a digital one, you know, and I'm sure it isn't like that, but it, sure, that's yeah. my quote, kind of quote, But, there, but there's fear. also, I mean, if you, if you take the flip side of that to books, that's a good reason not to have a book because you can spill coffee on your book. Your book can fall on the ground and get dirty. The page could rip, you know, like there's upsides, there's pros and cons to physical and digital and, and many different ways. But all that being said, you prefer to be more digital. I almost exclusively prefer to, prefer to be physical copies of books. And uh, not that I don't because I have and I will in the future. I know I will. But I also try to not order books off of Amazon. Nothing against Amazon. It's part of the, the current present day world. However, I know that there's other places I can get these books from that I would rather give my money to than Amazon, if that makes sense. And I don't know if that makes me sound elitist or pretentious or whatever it is, but if I can buy the same book for even a cheaper price in some cases from a, a used book uh, warehouse or a used bookseller or an online uh, used distributor of books or whatever, I'd much rather spend my money giving money to those companies than to Amazon who's going to send me a book. So my, my, my question for that is what about the individuals who are selling used books on Amazon? Through Amazon, sure. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to specifically go and choose that type of, I mean, I don't know about you, but you go on, you go on Amazon, you find the one that's prime and the one that's going to get to you the fastest and you just buy that one. Sure. But almost, almost always on those, you can, there's other buying options. Right. Uh, yeah. I, and I'm aware of that, but what I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm not going to go into and be like, oh, let me pick so-and-so from Virginia who's going to send me this book. I just say, okay, here's Prime. Here's the fastest one. Boom, send. And again, I've done that. I will do it. And yes, there are ways around it too. But if I can spend my money somewhere else on a book at least, I'd rather not do it from Amazon. I'd Again, maybe that makes me elitist or pretentious or maybe it's just foolish of me to think that way. But that's usually how it goes. Plus, like I said, you can most likely find that book at a used bookstore or from a used bookseller most times for cheaper. And, you know, books, if you can find a used book that hasn't been highlighted in or written in or damaged, you might as well buy that. It's just as good as a, a brand new book. 
you know, uh, there are ones that are, are written and highlighted and I, I don't like those ones because to me that feels like, uh, I, I, this is not the right way to say used book, but it's a used book. Like I don't say ruined either. Cause like, it's not, but almost ruined. If it's got something, See, someone I, else's notes or something in it. I, I would say if I could find a book that had the highlights and stuff are in it and notes or whatever, I, I think that would be cool because then as I'm reading, I'm having a communication with the author and kind of through this other person and, and, and almost communicating with them as well. And not to say that I would have the same highlights or the same notes, but even that would potentially draw me to, hey, this is what somebody else under. I, I know like in school, in college, I would buy used books. And if I got one that had the highlights in it, I was like, yeah, because they would say, hey, you know, this is perhaps the, the cool or, or the good or the, the noteworthy information. So check this out. And I, you know, if I turn to the page and there's a highlight and I would immediately drawn to where the highlight is, I read that over and then I kind of go back and read the rest of it, which is, you know, doesn't always happen. But when it did happen, I, I felt like I was, you know, in a better position than otherwise. Sure. Yeah. I, I guess I'd never looked at it like that. And I don't look at it like that because most cases as well, I find from used bookstores, someone started to highlight or take notes in a book and they got a quarter of the way through and then gave up. So to me, that's unfinished or again, to use the word ruined. It's not, it's not that it's ruined. It's just, I would prefer my book to be something that I can interact with. Now I've gotten gifts from friends before of books that they really enjoy and they purposely went through and highlighted their favorite parts of the book so that when I was reading it, I could see, but I have a connection or a friendship with that person already. So it's like a deeper level of communication in that way. I don't know if I'd feel that same way about a stranger, but I guess it's a cool way to look at it too. You know, you find this book that someone else, you know, spent some time with and learned from and, and highlighted and, and whatever. But I guess when I'm going to these used bookstores or other places, I'd rather have it empty so that I can do what I want with it. But again, it's so cool to get a book from somebody that they've spent time highlighting or or writing in and they want you to communicate like you said you're communicating with the author of the book but then also that person and everything so that's a i guess a different type of i won't consider that book ruined then i would consider that book uh enriched exactly yeah yeah but all this to say uh the way i choose to read books or pick out books is uh, basically like you said almost exclusively from hearing about it if i hear about it on a podcast or if someone's on a podcast promoting something, um, you know, so I guess what I mean there is, you know, they're on a podcast and they mention this book or a specific guest comes onto the podcast to promote a book. That's the way I differentiate those two things. Or, you know, a friend of mine said, hey, I was reading this, this book and I really liked it. Or uh, I know it's a very popular book because I've seen it on social media or other places or, um, you know, uh, someone that I, a celebrity or um, – a uh, respected uh, intellectual educational person. I don't know how the right word to say that either, but someone that I know or have heard of and they do something, I'll, 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 you know, look for it or, or, or and like you said, sometimes on Amazon during a podcast or something, someone will mention a book, I'll go throw it in the cart. And again, not that I'm going to buy it from Amazon, but there's my list and there's my, my, my archive of the books. And then, you know, maybe if I'm at a, a bookstore or if I really, really want the book, I'll go try to find it and, and get it. 
but just kind of keep like a running list of, hey, here's a book that I heard about someone talk about. Here's a book that someone wrote and they promoted it. Or uh, this person I know wrote this book. You know, if it's an author that I've read before and they, I like the one book they read and I happen to see another book they, they, they wrote. Oh, okay, I'll grab that too. I don't know what it's about, but I know this author. Um, and I think maybe two or three times ever have I just picked up a book and said, oh, this looks cool. Let me buy it. I don't think I've ever picked up a book without prior knowledge, if that makes sense. I'm sure when I was younger, yes, because I didn't, I didn't know anything about books. I just, I, you know, I was a kid and said, oh, that looks cool. Mom, can I have that book? And, and nowadays, I feel like books pr- perhaps are more advertised, much more advertised than they were, you know, when we were kids. As far as people being on podcasts talking about them or people making YouTube videos just because podcasts and YouTube wasn't really around when we were kids. Sure. Yeah. There's much more publicity for a lot of this stuff too. And, you know, even some of the books are, are, you know, I, I read a quote from this book or I heard a quote from this book and I, I wanted to find out more about it. So it could be two lines from a book and, oh, that's really good. Let me write this down or, oh, that sounds really interesting. Let me, let me take stock of this book. So I'm not saying that someone has to necessarily sell me on a book. Basically, if I've heard about it or it sounds like a good Sure, I'll check it out, whatever. But very rarely, like I said, if ever, do I just pick something up and say, oh, this this looks cool. Let me, let me buy this. I have to have some sort of previous knowledge of who who wrote it or what it's about or or who this person is or, you know, um, you know, my friend, whoever really likes this book. They said it was good. I should check it out too. Or, you know, I've had a couple of friends, they'll do, you know, end of the year book lists, number one of all the books they've read or of their top 10 or top five or whatever. And so I'll save those lists. And then, you know, if I see that book out somewhere, I'll, I'll just pick it up and be like, oh, you know, so-and-so said this was good. I might as well, might as well grab it. Might as well try it. Or, you know, so-and-so recommended this book. I might as well grab it. Might as well try it. So usually, like I said, I've heard about it or I know something about it before I pick it up. Um, and then I just pick it up, put it on my bookshelf. And then like you talked about, I mentioned earlier, when I read, usually I have a rotation of genres and I find it helps me to stay interested or helps me to continuously be reading. And what I mean by that is, you know, I'll, I'll read a, a nonfiction book, uh, usually something educational or like a case study or something like practical, something that I can gain, uh, something from, and after the nonfiction book, I'll read a fiction book, something that I can enjoy. Not that I don't enjoy the nonfiction, but sometimes nonfiction can be more like the term you use, more of a study or more of a, a conscious effort to sit down and gain something. And so I want to read a fiction book where I can just sit back and enjoy a story and enjoy characters, enjoy what's going on. And then usually from a fiction book, I'll go and read a short poetry book just because I enjoy poetry in the way that people can and, you know, describe or talk about things in such short ways or eloquent eloquent ways and just the art form of poetry. And then maybe, you know, after that, every once in a while I'll throw in like a graphic novel or like a, you know, a comic book or something like that. And then I'll go back in the rotation back to nonfiction and just kind of work my way through there. And so, like I said, I guess I try to do that because I want to interact with all the different kinds of literature. But also, I think if I were just to read nonfiction, 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 that studying, that that intentional aspect of trying to gain something for it, from it, um, 
I think I personally would quickly burn out and I think it would become more of a chore and less of a, an enjoyable thing to sit down and read because I, I feel like I'd have to, like it'd be, it'd be like homework. Like I'm in school, I have to read 50 pages of the book or I have to get done with this book by X, Y, or Z time. So I find for me personally, having that rotation of different genres and different types keeps me more engaged and more consistently reading because then, you know, I can read a nonfiction and learn something and I can enjoy a fiction and then I can interact with poetry or look at the, the pictures in a comic book or whatever and just have a kind of rotation of the books. And so, you know, usually, I'll, like I said, I'll, I'll do it nonfiction, fiction, poetry, and then keep that rotation. So when I'm deciding what to read, I'll just look at the genre. It's like, okay, I just finished a fiction. Let me pick up a poetry book real quick or poetry's done. What's my next nonfiction? But there also are those times when, you know, I'm, I've been waiting for a book. I've like, okay, I've been waiting for this book to come out or I've been waiting to get this book. Let me read it. Whether or not it fits into the quote unquote rotation um, or, you know, someone really hyped up this book and, and I read a little bit about it. It does sound super awesome. So let me read this book right now. Um, you know, those are the exceptions when I really want to read a specific book. Other than that, though, I just try to stick to the cycle, the rotation of the type of books. And I think that keeps me engaged and more consistently reading, um, at least for the way I found it. Yeah. You know, as you're, as you're talking about that, I guess, speaking of burnout, I know that there's been times where I will hear about a book, pick it up, start reading it, get halfway through, or even a handful of pages through. And it is not what I thought it was going to be, or it's way over my head. I don't quite understand what they're doing. Um, so I just, I put that down and I've done that probably more times than I otherwise would have if I had a sort of sort of a cycle to go through like that. Um, Do you ever come back to them? I have a couple times. Um, I know that I have one, uh, I think it's the unschooled, unschooled children, unschooled child, something like that. Um, Talks about how schooling is not, not very beneficial for the youth of today. Um, Sounds, Sounds controversial. Yeah, I picked it up. I started reading it, and it was so. I, I pr- prior to that, I read Ultra Learning, Ultra, Ultra Learning, and that was a hugely good book, very, very good. And from there, they he referenced that book a couple times or talked about the author, and so I searched out. Okay, well, well, that seems to be you know kind of the next step, and I picked it up, and I, I think I read I don't know half of a chapter, and it was it was really in depth and over my head and I didn't quite know what was going on. And there was a handful of times I would stop and reread a couple of pages. Just, it wasn't either. I wasn't ready for it or I thought it was going to be something vastly different than what it was. And I have it sitting on my shelf and I know I haven't went back to that specific book. Um, there's been a couple other books that I've gotten kind of halfway through. I know, um, Moonwalking with Einstein is another one. Is a memory book. Uh, talked about the, the quote unquote memory athletes, where they go to you know the competitions. They have to memorize eight decks of cards and the order that they're in and stuff. And I thought that that was going to be, I would say, much different than what it was. And really, it was a, a journalist's opportunity and, and experience as he was going into learning how to become a memory athlete. And I thought it was going to be more about memory techniques and tools and stuff like that. And so I got maybe halfway, maybe a little bit over halfway through that book. And it just, it wasn't quite what I wanted to be. And maybe you could say I was burnt out. Maybe I just, I I was definitely burnt out on that because I thought it was going to be one thing and it wasn't. And so, you know, I 
it's it's sitting in my digital library half unread or a little bit a little bit more or whatever it just like, does that does that give you anxiety uh no yeah i have one book that i dnf'd did not finish I'm halfway through it my bookmark is still in it if i wanted to today i could go pick it up and finish it I just, I, similar to like you're saying, it's not what I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. And it was, I like, I dreaded sitting down to read it. It was like that chore that, that it was not even a chore. It was just like a punishment almost of like, oh man, I got to sit down and read that book. You know, I think that knowing when it's time to separate from a book and, and being able to do that and, and perhaps coming, I mean, you know, the books, the book, I know the handful of books that I have that are, you know, half done or, or, you know, a chapter done or whatever. Um, I know, I know that I have them. I know what they are. I know where they are. And I know that I could go back to them if I, if I so wished they're just, no, I don't. I, I think that knowing when to separate and, and, and for me, one of those things is, you know, it is vastly different than what I thought it was going to be. Um, because I'm reading almost singularly sing, I'm, I'm reading almost unanimously nonfiction books. If it's a, a book that is over my head or, or, you know, I'm not interested in or, or the interest peaked in the early on and then it kind of, you know, fell off very quickly thereafter. For me, I know that it f- starts to feel like a chore or I start to, to flip past pages and, and okay, this section, okay, the, the title pretty well says what the section is going to be. I don't need it. Okay, flip past. Okay. Oh, here's the next one. All right. That's the kind of, you know, when I start to do that kind of stuff or, you know, there's maybe a, there's a couple other cues that would would be would be there as well, but those are kind of things. Okay, maybe step back, take a mental note. Okay, what's going on? Why am I doing this? Is it is it because of these reasons? Do I is it worth my time to invest and finish this, or do I just need to to stop and and, and go to the next one? Yeah, I think there's definitely reasons and ways to not finish a book, and you know, like you said, if it's almost a waste of your time, if you're not gaining anything from it, if it's you know, more work to get through than it is worth to you, then absolutely stop reading, move on to something else. You know, and I guess I'd say anxiety and, you know, we're making a big joke about not finishing a book, but again, if it's not beneficial to you, then don't waste your time finishing it. Cause I know a couple of books that I've absolutely powered through. I did not like reading it, but I did it just to say I finished the book in hindsight. I probably could spend my time doing something else, but I finished that book. And is it really worth it to say, Oh, I finished this book. As opposed to saying, no, you know, it wasn't for me. I'm going to move on. That being said, I don't, I'm not saying you should just leave through every book. And then once you get bored, then put it down and not, never come back to it. Sometimes it's worth it to power through some stuff. But, you know, I, I, I feel like there's a big joke or, or I don't want to use the word stigma, but people are like, oh, you didn't finish a book. You, you DNF that book. Oh my gosh. But, you know, if it's not worth it, it's not worth it, you know? So I, you know, absolutely. If it's not getting, if it's not doing anything for you. Put it out and move on. Um, and now, I guess uh, kind of in this line, I know a lot of people that say they quote unquote read a book and really what they do is they look at the index and they say, okay, this chapter is interesting. What's interesting in this chapter? Okay, these handful of sections and they'll flip to that and read those sections and then maybe they'll do a couple other sections. And then when they're done with what they th- what the relevant information they thought they were going to get from that book, they're quote unquote done and they've you know read that book. I don't do that. I see perhaps that side. I don't I wouldn't say that I've read that book uh like some people do when they do those things, but they you'd say you read a part of that book. Sure, right. I I know what it's about, you know, and perhaps 
you know, that would be a way to kind of tackle some of those things that are like, you know, really drawn out or, or not beneficial, or you just, okay, look at the index and you would, you would, you would treat it as, as research at that point, as opposed to a, a book beginning, middle, end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would be a way to gain something from the book, but also not have to go through the tough parts or go through the parts that you don't necessarily want to do. You know, like I said, I, like you said, I've never done that. Um, it would just feel incomplete to me. I'd rather do the whole thing or yeah, I don't know. It's, I feel like there's, there's cases, every case is different, but generally if I start a book, I always intend to finish it. And, you know, except for the one case that I know of, I have done that with all books for better or for worse. Sure. Um, as it may be. So, so, I guess the, the next part is as we're interacting with these books, as we're having that conversation with the author, like, like I mentioned earlier, we're, we're highlighting, I'm highlighting it. And, and I felt kind of, you know, like I'm breaking the rules. The first couple of times I was right, highlighting or writing in my book, I'm like, oh, the teachers are going to be mad about this. But it, number one, it's my book. I paid money for it. I'm not, it's not going to be, you know, it's not a school book. If it's your book, it's your book. Do what you want to do with it and, and treat it as, and I forgot who I heard it, heard, heard say this before, but treat it as a conversation with the author. You are get, like that author is sitting there talking to you and you're highlighting and taking notes on the uh, capitalizing, underlining, whatever the kind of important things that they're talking about. So Again, for me, it was I, was, I felt really kind of devious as I was underlining and, and writing in my books the first couple of times. But now, now I do it all, all, you know, all the time. I got notes and highlights and underlines and all kinds of stuff in there. As I'm going through the book, if I see something or read something, I guess read, not see, if I read something that is new information to me or a, a perhaps a new way to think about whatever it is, I will highlight it. And if, if, if I don't always have a highlighter with me, most of the time I do, if I don't have a highlighter with me, I, I have a pin or I can find a pin from somewhere. I, I'll under underline it. If it's a big section, like it's like, holy cow, this whole, this whole page was, was amazing. I'll, I'll do kind of brackets either with a highlighter, or with a pin around the whole page, as opposed to, you know, highlighting the entire page or underlining the whole page. In those instances, I, if it's bracketed, I, often we'll go back through and highlight or underline kind of some key points within that large area that was very important. I know there's a handful of books that I've read that have, and, and I kind of like when they do this, but they have a, uh, a chapter summary at the end. I like that because that is the author telling you, hey, these are the key points from this chapter that you just read. And I always, it's, it's already there. It's already separated out, but I always bracket those. Um, I know when I was reading uh, the 48 laws of power, they would have what the actual law was. And underneath of it, they would have basically what the essence of the law was. I would bracket that. It's already there. It's already divided out, but I still would spend my time to interact with it in that way to, to, you know, perhaps as I go back through it, it's, it's there. I can, I can, Oh, that'll call my attention to this. And and I know if it's in brackets and kind of that whole section is, important or at least relatively important or new information or a new way to think or look at uh, something. If I am reading it and I see something that I want to take away, I will sometimes make a little note in there. I know um, there's a section in Jordan Peterson's book where he talks about how to not argue, but how to um, 
argue your point, right? For lack of a better term, and really, that's what he's talking about, and and kind of some practical takeaways in there. But he doesn't necessarily set it up to say this is how to win an argument. So I, I wrote in there: this section is about arguing, and not arguing is a uh, what's the other uh, debate? Debating. This yeah. is this is how to debate in a in a you know ethical or in a in a wise way. And I kind of underline a couple sections, but it didn't come out and say explicitly, this is what it's about. But as I was reading it, that's what I, that's how I understood it. So I, you know, wrote that in there. Um, I know if there's, you know, a section in the book that, you know, there's a word or something that I don't necessarily know, I I sometimes will underline it twice and, you know, have like an arrow pointing to the side as, what is this? And then I'll go back and find out what it is. And I can kind of write in that, like in the little margin, okay, this is kind of what this, what this means. Um, I know as I was reading digitally, I would go through and highlight things with different colors. If it was a blue, then I know it was a quote. If it was a, uh, a yellow, it's kind of a standard takeaway. If it was a, uh, it's a pink or a, a kind of a, a green or whatever the other color is, I would say that it would be a, like a concrete takeaway, something like an, almost like an action step that I can immediately put in and use on my daily basis. Um, and if it's a digital book, I, I I used to read Apple books almost exclusively. Unfortunately, I, I haven't found a way. So if you know a way, message us and let us know. I'd, be, I'd love to know how to export those without using a paid service, export those notes and highlights that I have from a book. I, I couldn't figure out how to make that work in Apple notes. So I switched back over to the Kindle via the Kindle app. Uh, on my on my iPad, so that I can, when I'm done with the book, I can export those. It sends it sends it over. Then I take those notes and I put them into Notion, where I have you know my kind of my book catalog of books that I've read and and, and interact with. Then I can have all that in there. I, you know, for me, having that somewhere is beneficial. If I'm reading a, a physical book, I will oftentimes summarize the chapter. Uh, sometimes in my own words, sometimes if they have a chapter somewhere, I will kind of pull over that information and I do that for most chapters. If they're, if they're meaningful, if it's kind of like a, you know, like a complimentary to the previous chapter to the next chapter, it won't be so much of a, you know, takeaway from that. And then I also, as I'm going through the books, I try to do some key takeaways. So whether if it's a physical book or digital books, um, sometimes it's at the end of the book. Sometimes it's, you know, only a handful of times through the book. Sometimes it's at the end of the chapter, I'll go through and, and put key takeaways. And so in my notes for the book, whether it's physical or digital, uh, my notes live in, in Notion, I have a key takeaway section. And then underneath that, I have kind of chapter summaries or sometimes a book summary, depending on how impactful the book was. Um, and I, my would say that I do that almost unanimously, but I would say I do that starting maybe a year and a half ago. I started doing that and um, sometimes interacting with it and, and taking the time to make those notes is more than sometimes what I bargain for, sort of say, but I think it's beneficial to, you know, kind of put those things in my own words to actually think about those things. It helps me to recall the information, um, as opposed to just, okay, looking over, okay, yep, it's this. Okay, yep, it's that. And just typing over exactly word for word what it says. Um, but anyways, that's that's what I kind of do as I'm interacting and reading the book and then kind of even afterwards where my notes live and, and, and how I how I do that. Yeah. I typically only highlight nonfiction. 
So like I said, I have my rotation, nonfiction, fiction, poetry. I don't highlight fiction. Um, I know some people will do it kind of like you're saying, color-coded of, hey, here's a quote, here's a plot point, here's a, a, a um, an important piece of information for later in the story. And again, when I'm reading fiction, I kind of just want to read it to enjoy it. And if I'm taking the time to analyze it and kind of um, engage with it, it feels more like that study rather than that just reading for fun, quote-unquote. So I know some people enjoy it and they like to do that and even they put tabs in books and they put, you know, underlines and they write notes about things and and I just don't do that in my fiction books. In my fiction books, I just read them and let the story be what it is. In poetry books, I usually will read and if I find a poem that I really like, I'll go back to the table of contents and I'll highlight the title of that poem, the table of contents. So if I open up a poetry book, I know, hey, you know, po- you know, poem on page 52, 78, and 160. I like those poems. I go back and look at them. You know, because just to, just to be like, hey, when I read this book, this is what I thought was really cool. So I'll highlight in my table of contents the, the poetry I like. And then when it comes to nonfiction, I do treat it like a study and I have the highlighting. So kind of very similar to what you're doing. I'll typically will highlight something that Number one, reinforces the point the author's trying to make. So, for example, in most of these books, you know, this starts with the chapter and the chapter is about blank. Okay, well, if what you're saying supports blank, I might highlight it. Or, you know, number two, I might highlight something that really stuck out to me that I hadn't thought about, maybe a different way of thinking, or again, just a, a way of looking at something that reinforces the idea of whatever the author's trying to say. Number three, I'll highlight. Uh, you know, uh, good quotes from someone. Again, all of it is reinforcing the idea of what the book is doing. So kind of like you said, I I just highlight it. I don't export it. Um, I've never written like a handwritten note in a book. Um, I don't underline typically. I just use a plain yellow highlighter. And you always use one one color. Always yellow. Yeah. I guess for me, if it, if it's a physical, it's always one color. Mostly, mm-hmm. unless I, it runs out halfway through the book or something. But mm-hmm. if it's digital, it's nice because you can, on on the fly, change the color. No, right. You don't have to have any other tools or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I don't color code it. I don't do it for, for specific things. Everything's just yellow. Plain yellow highlighter in all the books that are nonfiction books that I'm reading. And again, it's things that are reinforcing the, the idea the author is trying to make. Or, you know, in some cases, I also like to highlight things that made me chuckle, made me laugh. Um, I know, uh, like Jordan Peterson in 12 Rules for Life, which I'm I'm currently reading, and I want to talk about that too in a second, but um, every once in a while, he'll do like an old-fashioned uh, a smiley face, like a text smiley face with a colon and a parenthesis end, which is hilarious to me um, that he put that, published that into his book, uh, you know, as a as a a man that he is. It just, I don't know. It's just funny to me. So anytime he puts one of those in his book, I'll highlight that. Cause I, it's just hilarious. Um, but I just try to, again, highlight things that reinforce the point the author's trying to make or made me think differently or quotes that I like, or just ways to help me reach a better understanding of what's going on. And typically too, when I highlight, and this is might just be more, more of me and being particular, I will always highlight from um, punctuation to punctuation. So like if it's a sentence and there was like one good part of the sentence, I won't highlight that one good part. I'll highlight the whole sentence or, you know, from a comma to the end of the sentence, I'll highlight the whole thing. I, for me, I just, I, I have to do that. If I just highlight one part, I'm like, it just feels 
wrong. So I always highlight from punctuation to punctuation. So it's interesting you say that. I, I don't do that. I, if it's a handful of words in a sentence, I will just highlight those. Now, that being said, when I go back and reference those, if I go back and, and, and re quote unquote reread those or reread my, my, my highlights on those, I will read sometimes a sentence before to the sentence afterwards to kind of get a, a contents of what's going on, or even sometimes the full sentence, despite, you know, only a handful of words being, being highlighted in that sentence. And so fair, fair. Yeah. And again, I just, it's just me. I just, I prefer the way it is, prefer the way it looks from, from punctuation to punctuation. I, and again, that's, people can do it any way they want. And like you said, I don't, I don't bracket or anything. If it's, I, I highlight the part that I like. If it's a big part, that's really good. I'll try to pick out one or two sentences, or sometimes I'll just, I will highlight the whole thing. I'll just pow, knock it out. I just, I don't, I brackets to me. I, I just feel so vague. I'm not saying you can't and it doesn't work for you, but to bracket something to feel so vague. And then I go back and look at it and I'm like, oh, I got to read this whole entire paragraph right now, rather than the, the sentence or two that I, I liked. Again, it's just, it's what works for me. So, you know, typically reading the nonfiction, that's how I interact with it. I and mean, it's always yellow highlighter. Um, I started doing this probably about five years ago. Well, it was like 2018. 2019, so maybe four years ago or something, um, on your recommendation when I first read uh, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and, and Leif Babin. It was the first time I ever highlighted something, and then I've just kind of done that. Does it, did it feel kind of devious as you were doing it? Uh, a little bit, yeah, a little bit. To, and to be fair, I think I got that uh, kind of, I don't know, mindset or idea or whatever from from listening to Jocko's uh, podcast because that's mm. what he does. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to underline this or yeah. highlight this. Yeah. Ah. But then, like you said, it's your book. I mean, you can do whatever you want with it. It's your book. And it makes it, it we talked about earlier, it makes it so much more enriched, especially if it's yours and you, you, know, you do it from cover to cover. You know that while you don't, maybe you didn't even take notes on that. You could go back and pick that book up at any given time, read those kind of relevant sections that are that are highlighted or, or, or underlined or whatever, and you'd be like, "Oh, I mean, I, I didn't necessarily read the entire book, but I, I got all the kind of important information, at least what I saw the first time as important information." Yeah, and it's a good way to help reinforce that stuff too as you're reading it, because you read it, oh, this is good. You go back, you highlight it. I'd assume you probably read it again as you're highlighting it and you can think about it for a second time there. And then if you go back and reference it, then you know, here it is again. So it's another good way to reinforce some of those ideas and points as you're reading, not to mention make it readily available for you after, um, if you ever go back to it too. So, um, I wanted to go back to Jordan Peterson because, um, I am currently reading 12 rules for life, which and I want to bring that up because I'm actually going against my rotation. I'm going against my normal method of reading. I started it this year. Um, and so what I'm doing is I'm reading fiction books on my own time. Not own time, but I'm reading fiction books throughout the, the month. Um, I'm trying to get through two books a month in fiction books. And then every week, I'm working my way through Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. And each week, I'll read one of the rules. So typically on a Saturday, I'll sit down and I'll read a rule per week. And I'm trying to, can I say that's amazing? That's a, that's, that's a, a tall task see, you for keep me saying that. You keep saying that though. I don't, I, I don't find it to be that difficult. I don't think one rule a week is, is that tough. Okay. Um, maybe I'm not gaining everything I can or from it or just. Maybe, maybe that just speaks on how uh, low on the compre- comprehension reading scale I am. 
I don't know. It is it is dense and 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 scientific, and and it's it's got a lot of, um, it's got a lot to it. I would agree. I, I wouldn't probably wouldn't read sit down every day and read it, but the way I'm doing it, you know, once a week, I'm reading a rule. In theory, that'll get me through twelve weeks, and then he has the follow up book, Beyond Order: Twelve More Rules for Life. I'll read right after that for another twelve weeks. So within twenty four weeks, I'll make my way through those two books. Um, and that's different because it goes outside of my rotation. Also different because I, for forever, have refused to read more than one book at once. I cannot handle more more than one book at once. If I'm reading a book, I'm reading that book. Because for me personally, at least, if I start a book, I have to finish that book. And if I'm reading another book, that's taking away from the time I could be spending trying to finish that first book. So I, just, I can't do it. I, can't, I refuse to do it. So it's been a challenge and a growing experience for me, at least in my, my, my reading, the reading part of my life to actually be reading two books at once. And it's going well so far. Um, I think it's nice the way it's structured too, is it just one rule a week and I can read whatever I want throughout the month or whatever. So having talked about the way you read books, I wanted to mention that as well, because it's different than what I do normally. I just started this year and at who knows if I'll continue doing things like that. But for right now, it's working well. Again, the way it's structured and the fact that I actually want to read those books and so I get to read the other books that I would want to read as well. Um, it's working for now, but we'll see see how it goes. Okay. For, I, so I, we talked about this a little bit, and I guess it's worth mentioning now again since we're talking about reading. Um, for me in the morning, I will get up and do my morning routine. I'll come to actually where we are recording this at right now, and I'll read for half an hour on my rotating type book. From there, I go in, I eat breakfast, and as I'm eating breakfast, I'll go through my Bible study. That's a podcast that I'm, I'm interacting with the with the pages as I'm listening to to the guy talk about them. Sometimes, if I, you know, depending on the day, I have you know 15, 10 minutes or so, you know, give or take. And if I know that, I'll bring whatever the rotating book is that I have uh, with me. And then, as I part of my wind down routine, I uh, read Jordan Peterson. 12 rules for life or 12, 12 more rules for life, depending on where I am in the month. And my goal is to read, you know, one, one rule out of each book per month. And so that would mean we're in February right now. So I read rule two in one book and rule two in the other book. So I get both rule two rule twos in this month. And so I, I guess if you want to count those, I'm reading three, four books at a time, I guess. But really, I've, I've read um, 12 Rules for Life already. I'm just going back through it. 12 More Rules for Life I haven't read yet. This is my first time through that one. Um, and then whatever my rotating book is, is new to me as well. So I guess new information, really, I count that as one book, per se. And I guess speaking about my rotating books, I'm currently going through the moral case for fossil fuels. I'm just about halfway, maybe right at halfway uh, through that one. Very interesting. Um, I, I had no idea some of the arguments that they're making, you know, about climate change and how apparently people have been saying the same kind of thing since, you know, really the 70s and how really this guy is, is Alex Epstein is saying that, you know, if were to believe those people, we, you know, we would already be living in a kind of catastrophic wasteland. Yeah. Which is really interesting. I, I, you know, I guess thinking about those, I really, we all grew up 
hearing about, you know, we're running out of fossil fuels and they're bad for the environment and, you know, ozone gas and greenhouse, whatever. But so far we're doing fine. And his, his argument really is that those fossil fuels have enriched and benefited a huge number of people that if they were solar or, or whatever other powered, they would not have. And really uh, speaking of solar, one of his things was it, there was a, a hospital and I'm going to get the place wrong. I'm going to say in India that was running off of solar power and the sun, there was a storm or something. The sun went behind the clouds and they lost power. A hospital lost power. Bad, bad. Lots of, lots of people died. Babies died because the power lost because of solar power. They, once the power is in, there was not really a, a place to store the power. Whereas if it was, you know, a fossil fuel, it would just be going. So, you know, that's kind of his, his side of that. And really we almost unanimously hear the other side that how fossil fuels are bad. And this guy at least is making a stand that fossil fuels are good. And, and in fact, hugely beneficial for a vast number of people that would otherwise not have power or clean food or water to, to, to eat. So very interesting so far. Well, I think that's a, a good place to, to end for today. We talked about, you know, how, kind of how we select books, how we interact with them, taking notes and, and highlighting. We even talked a little bit about digital versus physical books. Um, do you have anything to, to add to for that today? No, sir. Not All today. Right. All right. Great. Thanks for joining us until next time. Take initiative.